Good evening and welcome back to another <clears throat> live episode of Red Tinted Glasses. Um, Callum, when we decided to do some live episodes this week, we knew certainly the second one could be pretty brutal. Didn't think the first one, well maybe hoped the first one wouldn't be um, so brutal, but things just are not getting better for Barry Robson's Aberdeen just now. No, um, I was very uh, apprehensive, negative or certain uh, that we were not going to get a result at Sandcastle, uh, which was the case. Uh, however, I, I don't know if I, I don't have expected it to us to make such a meal of it uh, as we did in terms of just being awful all round. But this is, this is a long stretch of podcasts. There's lots of them and... Uh, I don't know about you, Glenn, but since we've come back from my holiday, not enjoying it. <laughs> no, um, I, I saw Free N Wakali say um, apathy is almost setting in, which is quite concerning given we're only five games um, in, into the season. But mm-hmm. here we are. Um, for those that are catching up on this episode um, on audio and want to depress themselves um, with the, the first part of this podcast, I'll do a little bit of a timestamp here. So the first kind of half hour of this podcast, we'll, we'll be looking back at the weekend's disappointment um, as we went down 2-0 to Hearts. The n- next half hour, it's 35-minute segment. Brian from the Hey Eintracht Frankfurt joined me on Friday afternoon to preview the game um, coming up on Thursday. And after that um, roundup, which, as I said, is 35 minutes long, me and Callum will just kind of review those thoughts um, as we look to see what we can produce um, as we get our Europa Conference League group campaign underway. <clears throat> Callum, on the game on Sunday, though, we always look at the team news and see mm-hmm. what happened. No surprises, we went with a back three. But it was a change to the defence. Um, new signing Stefan Gartenman came in to replace Angus McDonald and Leighton Clarkson returned as well, replacing Connor Barron. I'm I'm not against seeing Stefan make his Don's debut. It looked like he had a decent game from what I've saw um, of the game and the, the highlights as well. But why is Angus McDonald still not starting? For me, you know, what he did last season, Rubicic didn't have the best game. Do you think Barry's just trying to help build Ruby's confidence here? Possibly, but I don't think what he's doing is helping. And yeah. I don't think he seems to be getting sort of... I don't know, he kind of seems to be getting exposed a little bit um, quite often. And I wasn't against Gartenman coming in at all. I thought the fact that maybe Rubicic is going to go into the middle of the back three, then that might offer a bit more protection. He won't be as exposed, for example, when Devlin bombs forward and can't get back in time, which we saw seemingly quite a lot. Um, then he won't be exposed as the as the furthest right defender uh, with, a, with a speedy winger. Uh, running at him like we sort of saw uh, with Ellie Yuan running at him when we played against Hibs. But mm-hmm. it's an odd case, Angus McDonald, isn't it? Um, gave him two years. We thought he, he was very... Him and Pollock came in, essentially saved our season. I think you did raise concerns at the time. Like, w- will he be the same without Pollock? We don't mm-hmm. know. But it's just very, very odd. Why bother giving him the two-year deal if these three players, one of which is on loan... Are going to play ahead of him, and then that's not including Reese Williams, an even curiouser case. Curiouser and curiouser. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could add Ordadia to that list as well, and we've not even mentioned a certain Dutchman that you will like to bring up. I'm sure we'll get to him a bit later on in the show as well. But 
<clears throat> I, you know, to go with action, we'll come to it a bit later on because I'm sick fed up. I don't want to wind myself up too early in, in the show. We'll come mm. to Barry's excuses a bit a bit later on. But, you know, we did kind of start the game all right. Um, you know, McGarry had a, a shot which tested um, Xander Clark. We really, once again, uh, similar to the game against Hibs, didn't really have anything kind of clear cut. And, you know, people have been very critical of, of Duke. But Miofsky as well was hugely isolated um, in, in the game at the weekend. And both Duke and Miofsky are really not benefiting from this current formation. And as, as Neil McCann said on Sports Scene, <clears throat> we've recruited for this formation and we've got a manager reluctant to change it. We're almost inflicting our own problems on ourselves just now. Seemingly so, and... The problem is that even with this formation, it shouldn't be going as badly as it is. As once again, to give Neil McCann credit, which I don't think either of us thought would ever be fucking happening on this show. And <laughs> as he high sort of highlighted on sports scene, it's ridiculous the way we're setting it up, and we're just going for this long ball when neither that that suits neither Dukomiovsky, and when they do somehow manage to control it, they've got nobody up in support of them, and that's the only service they're getting. And and the wing backs are uh, as Kaiser Nitro uh, Three said, uh, Devlin and McGarry are neither attacking nor defending. No, that was sort of highlighted as well. And then when mm-hmm. we are uh, when the ball's with Roos, for example, the lack of options to play out from the back is is astounding from either the centre backs, which should be splitting, uh, still leaving Rubic in the middle, and or Clarkson, the deepest lying midfielder, for some reason. His job is surely then to come and get the ball and then make things happen and build it from there. That doesn't seem to be working either. And we just resort to hoofing it along. It's 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 awful. And if you look at the Hearts starting eleven uh, compared to ours, we have Dukemiovsky isolated as ever uh, in there. Meanwhile, they're starting with Vargas, Oda, Shankland and Boyce. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was never going to end well, <laughs> was it? No, it wasn't. And I said on the, the preview as well, I, I picked out Oda as well as a, a player that would look to run at our defence and cause problems for our defence. And he did just that in the first half. Yes, he gets a huge slice of luck with the with the deflection. But for me, question marks around the defending from, from Jimmy McGarry. Why is he backing off so much? And Look, he's just had a kid. He doesn't need to be protecting the area that he's just protected. It's done its job for the time being. Interesting. That's both from a man from experience by the sounds yeah. of things. Um, yeah, I don't I don't understand what the hell he was doing. He sort of made himself smaller in a way with the way he was, he was standing as well. And he was a mile away from Oda. Okay, it's unlucky the way deflection it was, but it actually made it more difficult for Roos and hence he was beaten rather than if he if he had simply hadn't bothered, uh, mm. you would think. Absolutely abysmal. Rubizic got sucked in. Thankfully, it wasn't him that was uh, the scapegoat, scapegoat for this goal, but that was still a concern. It's abysmal. It's simple stuff, stuff that we were doing so well last season. And it, it's every week, it seems now. We're just giving away cheap goals. But that is... Fact, it'll be twice a week now. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, twice a week for the next two weeks. And yeah, we've got Rangers a, a week on um, Saturday as well, or Sunday, I'm not sure. But the, that is the biggest concern for me because both goals in this game were extremely soft, um, extremely poor 
from an Aberdeen point of view. And we we said that on the last show that we built kind of that January, well, after January kind of onwards on being hard to beat, hard to break down. And we're just soft as baby shite to quote you on, on Messenger earlier um, to me. Uh, It's so frustrating. And for Barry Robson, he was such a hard player to play against. Tough. This team just seems a bit spiteless just now. You know, I know Kaiser said, you know, let's not quote Neil McCann, although he did agree with the comments. Going back to some of the points that Neil McCann was was highlighting, especially after the second goal, how unwilling so many of that team were to even drop for the ball, show mm-hmm. for the ball, look like they wanted to, to do something, but instead we'll just absolutely hoof it over our midfield aimlessly at Dukan Miofsky. <clears throat> the concern for me is we could kind of see towards the back end of last season what Barry Robson wanted to do with that team. High press, look to get in the opposition's faces, cause them problems. I don't see any identity in this Aberdeen team so far this season. And, you know, since being permanent manager, Robson's only won two games. And one of those games was a struggle against Sterling Albion. You know, I can't help but feel we were damned if we did and we were damned if we didn't. And Robson's almost going to be the victim of his own success based on what we've seen so far. Possibly. I hope to God we're both proved wrong. Um, (laughs) I think there's a chance that we do work it all out and it will end up being okay. But in the meantime, none of it's good enough. And as you say, we are hearing excuses which are starting to, they're, they're not going to wash for much longer if they still do now, shall we say. But yeah. you highlighted how how, um, how they were they're almost hiding when, when Roos had the ball, for example, or one of the other defenders had the ball in the midfield was hiding. And then you compare that with, with Hearts, and in fact, Stephen Naismith highlighted after the game, he commended his players for being brave on the ball, for taking those chances, taking those risks, when he said it could have been easy, when they've not had a particularly great spell and there's been an international break, they could have been nervy, but they were brave and it paid off. 2-0 win, clean sheet. And again, we don't win at Tynecastle. Yeah, I think it was 2017 is the last time we've won there. But of course, we you know, we spoke about the fact that we conceded the first goal. March 2022, the last time we came from behind to win a game. 18 months it's been since we conceded the first goal and ended up coming away with three points. That's a hugely concerning stat as well, especially looking forward to Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's the manner in which we're conceding. And, and Callum, the second goal also is not a pretty look. Richard Jensen, look, I know Barry Robson pinged the international break as one of his excuses and I know Richard Jensen had to travel to Kazakhstan but I don't think we can apportion that to that level of defending Abismo, this was what I described as soft as baby shit he got his foot in and still lost the ball I don't know what the hell he's doing it was um, not not quite the same as Andy Robertson against thing God, sorry to remind you that Glenn however <laughs> they have a chance to deal with it and, and and didn't. And I don't know what he's thinking. If he's in any doubt, just get rid of the thing. And then, of course, we're not helped by the ball being leathered basically off, off Jamie McGrath's face and hmm. Bruce is already making a move. <sighs> Abysmal. But once again, Shanklin and Boyce, both free as birds in the middle. Uh, and 
it's just not good enough because Jensen got sucked out. Those two are wide open. No one there in the midfield dropping back to help other than Jamie McGrath or to help of use. And it, mm. it, it it's awful. And I, I don't think at any point... I, I'm surprised we came back from 2-0 down to draw twice or we came back from goal behind to draw twice this season against Hacken and St Mirren. That, we've mm-hmm. given up on even doing that. Mm-hmm. But uh, as Kaiser pointed out as well, he said everyone can see this Barmy three at the back doesn't work. Robson just can't learn. And it can't be bothered, I think, in, in, in reply. And I guess it's a talking point for us as well. He said can't or won't. And this is the problem. Mm. Can is Robson not willing to learn or does he just not want to learn and is just going to be stubborn? We spoke about Jim Goodwin's stubbornness, which we all know how that turned out. I can't help but feel there's two huge games coming up after Thursday that already this early in the season are going to make or break his managerial career at this club. Possibly. I think so. Uh, I mean, I said to you prior also, that if we keep on going with this shit, uh, even just just playing the way we are, let alone if we keep the system and change it, um, which I'd uh, if we were to keep the system and change the way we played and actually play football, I'd be happy because we have players that should, in theory, suit that. Mm. I couldn't see us. I couldn't see us coming away with a win uh, uh, from Tawdry against Ross County, um, and I couldn't see us going there and winning in the cup. So that that's sort of where we are at this point, and it's horrendous. And one of my hearts, Sporting Pals, was at the game, unfortunately. Actually, thankfully, he stayed down that way and didn't bother coming back up to Aberdeen afterwards because it would have been a nightmare. Uh, he described uh, Aberdeen's display as some of the worst football he's seen uh, from a team. And uh, mm. keep in mind, he's watched hearts and <laughs> Craig Levine's hearts for a lot of this time. Yeah, exactly. And and my heart, Sporting Pals, as well, said it's one of the worst teams he's seen at Tynecastle in a long time. Um, and he said, I don't know why you keep the table just doesn't lie either. <laughs> well, no, it doesn't. And the fact that we're being kept off the bottom of the table by the fact we scored one more goal than St. Johnson is extremely concerning uh, as well because fuck me, they are awful to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as Forbes McFarlane, he also speaks about the, the Ross County game and kind of the pressures that come with that while well, losing both. But, but also, as Barry's not getting his tactics right, I thought the whole team were just jogging back to defend. There was a, a couple of times, you know, watching back the highlights where it does look like Ruby was jogging back yeah. um, specifically. But our fitness levels towards the end of games, not just the weekend past, but previous this season, are alarmingly bad. Especially as you said, you know, we've got that run coming up midweek, weekend for the next two weeks. Barry Robson wanted us to be one of the fittest teams in the league. Was doing double sessions in pre-season. Is that coming back to haunt us already? I know it could possibly be. I mean, it certainly looks like it might be. It's a real concern. And professional footballers, I know, it's like Richard Jensen had a lot of travelling. I know it's sort of the easy thing to go to. Our oh, professional footballers, they'd be able to play two games in a week. Um, we've just come back off an international break. Okay, some of them played, some of them travelled. And in fact, he was complaining about having six of them away, but it doesn't look like he's done any fucking work with the rest of them. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting to my wit's end, and yet I've signed up to go to Ross County away. Uh, so I, I don't know why. I don't know why. But it, it, is, it is a massive concern, and you do think at some points it's it's got to... We've got to win something, win, win a game somehow. And whether it's 
ugly or 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 otherwise at this point I don't care. Uh, I'll, I would take anything. It's it's not great. And when you're going into this run of of a busy schedule, we start off by losing at Tynecastle, who in theory we should be up battling with at the right end of the table, probably for third spot. And then you've got to go away to Frankfurt. And then we've got a couple of games against Ross County, potentially winnable, not with the way things are going. And then Ibrox. It's not it's not pretty, is it? No, it's not. It's not pretty as well. GH in the comments saying he'll be gone by Christmas, so sooner the better. I was saying at work today he'll be in the locals' job by Christmas. He won't even be here by the end of November at this rate. Um, that's honestly the feeling that I've got. Um, we were speaking um, on Messenger before coming on to to chat in the in the waiting room, um, and we were speaking about Clarkson. You know, Duke's performances are getting a, a lot of um, spotlight, um, rightly or wrongly, depending which way the coin you want to view it. So is Graham Shinney. But Leighton Clarkson, um, I want to pick on him, not for kind of anything he's doing, but a player that Sean, towards the back end of last season, we managed to bring in on, on a good bit of business. Yet this season, we think the best thing to do is punt the ball continuously over the top of his head and still instead of getting him involved as our playmaker. Now, you said you've no idea why um, no one's offering short, if that's the idea of playing Clarkson deep. And my argument was, why are we playing Clarkson as our deepest player when surely he's one of the creative players? So is there almost a need for both Leighton Clarkson and Jamie McGrath in the team? Because certainly against Hibbs and Hearts, I thought Connor Barron was probably our best midfielder. Which probably says a lot, considering we've seen very little of Conor Barron uh, recently, uh, anyway, uh, or, or prior to very recently. But I don't know. I think in games where we're at home and we're going to control the game, and or in theory we're going to control the game, like, you know, maybe against Hibs or something, um, then the likes of Clarkson and, and McGrath both being in there does make sense uh, to, you know, creative midfielders, ball-playing midfielders, however you want to describe it. However, at Tynecastle, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's the type of midfield you should be going with. Would dare I say, perhaps I could have done with a bit of Danny Polvara's physicality in the middle of the park, potentially as well. Congratulations to him on that new three-year deal, by the way. Thoughts on it, sorry. Thoughts on um, that three-year deal for Dante? Split opinion, of course. On... It certainly did split opinion. I think, well, why not? Basically, at this point, I think... He certainly looks better than some of the others in that midfield. Livingston, in, in my head, sticks out where he certainly outperformed both Leighton Clarkson and Graham Shinney. He's 23. They've still got plenty of time to develop, especially given it's this weird American career, which starts a bit later on and you kick on probably a bit later on. Um, I think it's worth taking the gamble on because the benefits could be massive. And I think he does have all the attributes to play in this league and play very well in this league. It just needs... That experience. I don't get that. I don't know, though. That's the problem. This is the problem. I I wholeheartedly agree with the, the points you've made. You know, I, I think it's a good bit of business by the club because he's not going to be in a commanding as big a wage as the likes of Graham Shinney and Leighton Clarkson, I'm sure. But the problem is we won't get the best out of him if he's not playing minutes. So I think if he's still not kind of getting regular minutes between January, punt him on loan to somebody in the Scottish Premiership, unless we're still in a relegation battle come January, um, and 
get him some experience of either top flight championship or somewhere in the Scottish uh, Premiership, Ross County, St Johnston, somewhere that he can go and get minutes and, and come back to us next season. Um, it's a very low risk um, signing, so I, I'm certainly not as negative as a lot of people were to that to that deal. You know, we're not saying he's going to be starting every game. He's certainly not a Ramadani replacement. I think maybe that was the original plan, but it's evident that that's not going to happen. And neither's Leighton Clarkson, which is obviously the position he's been filling um, just now. And our midfield looks so disjointed because mm. Shinne is running around trying to cover the the work of of two players, and it, it it's just not working for us as well. Um. There was a lot of excuses after the game um, from Barry Robson. The BK Hacken game still causing us to be tired, which is, I mean, the the cheek to even bring that up is an absolute disgrace to any fan that, that travelled to Tynecastle, in my opinion. Um, but the, the one that really annoyed me um, as well was to say that we were playing a, a new back four, that, uh, sorry, back five, that um, didn't really know each other. I genuinely wonder if you think some of us are stupid. Most of that back five have played together at least once. The only new player in that back five was, was Stefan. So yeah. that comment doesn't hold any water either. And then to blame the international break, having six players away you know only Richard Jensen and Jamie McGrath Boyan that's three players for Duke but most of these guys know the teammates that they're playing with Mm. he said before the international break that the international break would be a good thing for us because we would get on the training ground and be able to work on things now we come back from the international break lose and it's a bad thing because six players were away and we didn't have time to work on things. Mm. Make up your mind. I know. Duncan and Barron were both ways well, however. Uh, but still, the ones that were there, they don't look any better. Arguably, maybe even worse, uh, you could say. But it's, well, that's a very good point from Scott M. Actually, two of the excuses were players were tired, six away on international duty. So why not pick an 11 with the players that were here for the two weeks? Was Daddy Evan on the bench? I don't think so. No, uh, Daddy Evan wasn't. Um, seems mental to me and uh, I'll come to a bit later on but a lot of people suggested he should be back in the side he should get another chance but it, it absolutely was ridiculous. I think the fact what he said was the back five hadn't met some of them hadn't met Gartenman's been here for like a week maybe Jensen went away when Gartenman came I don't know however well, he said Boyan was the last player back when he it is pre-match press conference, which was on Wednesday, and I think Boyan arrived back on Wednesday, or he was arriving back later that day. So they had a training session on Wednesday to get to know each other, and they would have surely trained one at least once more between Wednesday and Saturday. Probably. Um, well, Wednesday you hope. Friday. Yeah. Well, the way we're going just now, they need to be. Mm. There was a comment I want to come back to. Um, I was discussing it with Stephen at work today. Because I think this is true. Um, I think this comment is true. Uh, and Kaiser puts in that um, you'd think Robson doesn't want to play in Europe. And I actually agree with that comment because the way he speaks about Europe in his post-match comments, I feel Europe is a hindrance to Barry. 
and he knows that this squad doesn't have the quality of depth to cope with the Thursday Sundays just now and knows that he's under pressure. Now, somebody did comment earlier um, at the start of the episode, um, and I'm sorry I can't find who it is. Oh, here it is. It's from Kev's Wag, who said, it's been a tough run of fixtures. It was always going to be tough. Yes, we spoke about it on this podcast that we knew the first two months were going to be tough. And you've always said, Callum, October should be a saving grace for us with the run of home fixtures. Huge emphasis on should right now. But what do you think to that comment from Kaiser about Barry Robson um, potentially not wanting to be in Europe? Um, it's a bit of an odd one because I suppose in his post-match interview, he did. He was saying, you, know, "You play for Aberdeen. This is what this is what you're here for. This is what this is where we want to be." However, I do agree that it is seeming to be a hindrance, and I also do agree with VK. Uh, can't cope domestically either, uh, based off recent evidence. Correct. I don't know. I think it would be more interesting had we had one of the other two teams in this group, and then we would have found out on Thursday where we sort of were. Uh, where we're standing, whereas we won't really learn anything from this from this mm. game on Thursday against Frankfurt. Um, they're ninth in the Bundesliga. They they had a very good run. Uh, they won the Europa League, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think they did. Uh, uh, not so long ago, and it's we won't learn anything from that. And I just I think we they do want to be any. They will have used it to sell it to players. However, I don't think we'll cope with it very well, equally on the other side of the coin. And <clears throat> yeah, um, it's, it'll be interesting to see how they do balance that. And you mentioned sort of how I've spoke about October. That is providing against the results, i.e. against Ross County and Ross County, uh, to ensure that he is there come October. Yeah, well, I suppose you mentioned October, whether or not he'll still be on in the job come October is a, a different matter. But as Scott M points out, isn't that the point of having a bigger squad and utilising it? Exactly. Utilising the squad. I'm going to mention him before you get in. Vicente Bissau and a lot of talk around him. Barry Robson saying he's still got a role to play. You know, sees him having some involvement. Doesn't put him in a matchday squad on Saturday. It's honestly, there's so much stuff that is coming out in his press conferences that people are picking up on. Look, I know football fans are fickle. If by some miracle we come away on Thursday with a point and we win the next two games, all this stuff will be forgotten about. Me and you, you'll probably turn around to say we're going to finish third and we'll be winning the League Cup. Let's possibly honest. <laughs> exactly. It, it, football is a fickle business, but it is also a results business. Mm-hmm. And right now, results are not good enough and there is no sign of improvement and fans have invested in their numbers this season because Alan Burrows and Cormac will shout from the rooftop at our season ticket sales but the renewals for next season based on what we're saying just now oof, that could be a tough sell well we did think that uh, around even February sort of last uh, last season I suppose and um, all I want to talk about is Vicente Bissouin because if he's got a role to play I think it's just taking all the new lads to his favourite sticky toffee pudding spot because yeah. what, what's the point? What's the point? Why did we not... There was talk of him potentially going out on loan. Well, that was just rumours from the paper. I, I don't know. 
I don't understand why he's here if he's not going to be involved. Because at his age, he needs to be playing. He needs to be playing regular football. And for him personally as a player to develop, if it's not going to be here, unfortunately, he shouldn't be here. Um, instead, he's not included on. Uh, can't be included on Thursday because he's not in the Europa League squad. If he doesn't feature at all against in either of the Ross County games, then I seriously, seriously worry because they can't keep banging on that he has a role to play if he's not going to feature in either of those games when we've been doing as bad as we have been. And I don't know if perhaps maybe he would fit as as one of the as the midfielder that's closest to Duke and Miofsky if he can help bridge that gap because right now whatever it is I think it's McGrath doing it if I don't even know if there's anyone doing it I think there's just Clarkson sitting deep and then there's two plonked in front of them still twenty yards away from the forwards yeah so, so I don't know it's see, stressing me out see on the European squad and his um, lack of inclusion given Shaden Morris is out for ten weeks now whether that is from the point of the Hibs game or from when Robson announced it, that would mean he comes back into the fray one, two weeks shy of Helsinki away. So he'll miss four of our six group stage games. Absolutely baffling that we have not made a change. And coming back from a hamstring injury, going to then play in Helsinki, which I believe is a plastic pitch, is not something he's likely to do. So we're basically a player down. I mean, I could have told you that before, even if Shaden Morris was fully fit. Yay. <laughs> um, one final thing before we move on. Um, John Smith commented, um, hiring, rookie, hiring rookie managers is the best idea we've ever had. Um, I, I said it already, and um, can't be bothered, says, I wonder if the football monitoring board is monitoring all of this. Um, evening, Dave and Alan, if you are monitoring this. Um, I'm sure you can see all the comments. Um, was Barry Robson a victim of his own success before the end of the season? Because, again, Paul Cosgrove saying, is it a case Robson got the job because there was no real interest from a decent coach manager? I don't. Well, I fucking hope that wasn't the case. Um, but I just think the fact that Robson achieved the goals that were set out by the board, if the board didn't approve a point by Robson, and look, we would have been the same, there would have been disappointment mm-hmm. in amongst our support. Because if we'd gone and appointed an experienced manager and they'd had the start that um, Barry's had to this season, everyone would say what were we doing? We should have just left Barry to it. But now that Barry's had this start, everyone's saying, oh, we should have gone and got an experienced manager. This is what happens when you have a rookie manager in charge. What did you expect? It, the club really were damned if they did and damned if they didn't. And unfortunately, I really do hope it does turn around. It's going the wrong way just now. I hope it turns around too. Um because believe it or not, we don't enjoy being this negative. However, this is just what we've been forced to do as a result of the shambles that's going on uh, on the pitch wherever uh, the Reds play or um, or um, Northern Lights play or Whites play. I mean, mm. it seems to be uh, fucking kit shambles. Never mind. Um, it's. I think he is a victim of his own success. I don't... We would have, As you say, we had to give him the job. We basically made it impossible for us to not give him the job. However, 
this isn't good enough and he's probably put more pressure on himself because we've made all this investment. We finished third last season. We've spent God knows how much, probably close to two million. Okay, we've taken in a lot as well. We're 11th in the league and that's got to improve and it's as simple as that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It has to improve and it has to improve. I was going to say starting ASAP, but um, I'll take it from Sunday. Um, a, a decent performance on Thursday to give me encouragement that there's signs of improvement. But I mean, I got a new flag for going to Frankfurt as well. I mentioned that on on the last episode, so um, it, it looks pretty nice. Um, inspired by by No Blaha as well, so I'll be hanging proudly from the away end unless it gets stolen. It's upside down in the away end, the uh, home end. Then you know it's been a bad few days. For me, um, but mm. Callum, I, I caught up with um, Brian from the um, Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. So let's hear what he had to say um, ahead of the game on Thursday night. Let's. Brian, welcome to Red Tinted Glasses. I'm really delighted that you've given up your Friday morning, as it is in Kansas, um, to join us on the the podcast. And not extend a thanks just to you. But I suppose we should also extend a thanks to Eintracht Frankfurt and Kevin Trapp for what you did a couple of years ago in Seville and saved Scottish football from years of pain having to listen to Rangers about their success in Europe. Well, you know what? More than happy to do that. If anyone saw the celebrations that then transpired in Frankfurt where you had basically fans line up from the airport all the way past the stadium. Yes, the airport's closer to the stadium than the city center, go figure. So you'll actually hear, uh, for anyone who travels, you'll actually hear the planes fly overhead, which is kind of, I mean, it's kind of cool, a little element that uh, can be heard, you know, if the crowd is having a quiet moment. But yeah, the entire streets were lined with fans. You had all these fans show up in the old city center that has been rebuilt. And it was a wild, decadent party that uh, if I didn't have a little one on the way, I would have flown out there uh, without uh, even, you know, shred of thinking, should I make this flight and spend, you know, these hundreds, thousands of dollars, uh, as you can tell, I'm American, so I'm using dollar figure, uh, or pounds or euros to make the flight out to Frankfurt for the party? Well, yeah. When you got a little Wayne on the way, uh, sometimes you had to make more adult decisions. So the little kid in me was not able to be there, but I live streamed uh, it from the Eintracht Frankfurt uh, YouTube channel, which is still available for any Aberdeen fan who wants to see what it's like to lift a European trophy. I know that you guys haven't done it for a good 40-ish years, but trust me, it's a wonderful feeling and to have been able to then be told by Celtic fans, uh, oh, good, good on you for preventing the Rangers from winning the trophy. And I'm like, how long would you have heard, you know, Rangers bragging about this trophy forever? And I'm like, fair enough. You're yeah. welcome. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's just the rest of Scottish football extended their their thanks in that. Um, you enjoyed the coefficient points from them getting to the final. He just made sure we just took care of you not having to hear about their gloating. Exactly, exactly. Um, obviously, this competition, though, for Frankfurt is the Europa Conference League. Um, 
what is the expectation for Frankfurt going into this group stage campaign? Obviously, pot one, highest seeds in the group as well. Is there very much an expectation amongst Eintracht Frankfurt fans that they'll win every game? Or Because the start of the season so far in the Bundesliga has maybe been a bit rocky. I think I read on the Eintracht Frankfurt website one win, two draws so far, obviously. Um, we're recording this ahead of the weekend's fixture against Bochum. So um, is there a air of confidence um, in in the Frankfurt fans? There's the Frankfurt fans, we travel in numbers. So we had a huge following go out to Seville. If people did not see in the lead up to that a run to the Europa League title, we actually brought 30,000 Frankfurt fans, descended on the Camp Nou, and got into the stadium. I mean, mm. you're, you're, you're talking about a way, enough Eintracht Frankfurt fans to, you know, if we really wanted to move this match to Hampton, we'd help you guys in filling it. Yeah. Let's put it that way. It would be a wonderful, boisterous atmosphere where the Eintracht fans will, you know, drink the city dry. It's... There were only a handful of people who made it out to Bulgaria for that match. Now, uh, with very little time for kind of long-term planning, it kind of makes things a lot difficult. So, you know, if you don't get the the cash on hand or the holiday time, uh, it can be really hard to travel. But when the Frankfurt fans do have uh, heads up, when you do have the group stage kind of action to plan out your, your travel specifications, they will sell out all the allocation. They'll ask for more. Mm. And the city center, will, the restaurants, restaurateurs will be happy. The, the Every single shop will be happy because all you have to do is present a German with a beer and a pretzel. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll eat and drink yeah, at a house and home so that, you know, at the end of the day, you can say, you know what? The city benefited from the Eintracht fans coming. And yes, uh, we are expecting that we're going to come through this as group stage winners, how Thessaloniki, who is a very experienced team to the European Adventures, does provide an interesting match in match day two. And the visit to Greece, I think, will probably dictate who will probably end up being the group stage winner. Uh, we had some experience with the uh, Planet Greek side that a title winning team did uh, play a fellow Greek team. Uh, in that group stage, and we had to go through Antwerp in addition to uh, Fenerbahce uh, from the Turkish League. So the Eintracht fan is very optimistic about this campaign, looking at it from the standpoint of you start off with a home match versus Aberdeen. You got to basically the, what is perceived to be on paper as the toughest away fixture uh, by going to Thessaloniki in Greece, uh, northern Greece, in case people had not uh, uh, Google mapped that yet. <laughs> other other uh, map viewing services are available. <laughs> but, uh, and then, you know, a uh, trip to Helsinki where, you know, beer is 20 euros uh, per, which blows my mind. Trust me. <laughs> that's, that, that's absurd. Anyways, uh, <laughs> But Eintracht fans are looking at this as very much a first place. Second place isn't horrible, but it does mean that you're having to restock the European campaign in the spring in February, not March, which is, I think, Eintracht finishing it as group winners in a 21-22 campaign. That was a key part of us winning the competition was we didn't have to get, get a champ, the Champions League drop-ins. 
and in this case, this will be uh, Europa League third place teams that would then drop into the Europa Conference League. And yeah, I mean, I would think that that wouldn't be uh, for a team like Eintracht, maybe really the toughest of tests. You're, you're looking at the competition from who's already qualified. So it, the, the English are in there with that team from Birmingham, new knocked out, I think, one of the Edinburgh teams. Uh, yeah. Kind of struggling on that. But the Eintracht fans are looking at the knockout phase as the, hey, how far can we go? Are we going to stop at the quarterfinals, you know, draw depending? Or are we going to think to ourselves, no, we're making the semifinals and beyond because we see a Fiorentina, we see a T- uh, Aston Villa. We think to ourselves, we can handle that. Mm. We just got to get there first. Yeah. And it all starts with uh, welcoming uh, the Aberdonians uh, to wonderful Frankfurt at the Forest Stadium, the Stadium, as it's known as, uh, colloquially, and uh, Deutsche Bank Park, if you like to have the commercialized uh, name <laughs> out there. We're, we're, we're very excited to welcome anyone dressed in red because we are red, black, and white for our colors. And uh, yeah, we're very welcoming people and excited to have Aberdeen uh, visit our stadium. We just hope that you sell out your allocation. Yeah, well, I think we're actually quite close to, to doing so. Um, I obviously, the lower stand, I will say the, uh, the, of the allocation, the lower tier portion of the allocation is actually all terraced. So mm-hmm. if you if you if you miss that old school feel to you know the away matches or you know uh, the old the old standing areas at Potodri, I think if I got that pronunciation right, uh, I think you're gonna you're gonna love sitting in the lower end. If you get stuck in the higher end, hey, it's still a wonderful view. The National Football League is uh, coming to Frankfurt with the reigning Super Bowl champions, my hometown team. Yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs are coming there. I'm really, uh, yeah, with a kid, it's kind of hard to be able to allocate for those kind of tickets when those are going for like 500 euros a pop. Uh, yeah, try, try, try to swallow that in addition to your flights. Um, it's it's a stadium that any traveling Aberdeen fan will thoroughly enjoy. Modern amenities at the Wazoo. Very large standing area for the home fans. Uh, if you... Uh, Scotland, who's very close to qualifying for uh, the this coming summer's Euros, happened to play the match in Frankfurt. You will thoroughly enjoy the Vodge Stadium either way that you may take it in. Yeah, I'm glad you said there's plenty of amenities because we know how much Rangers fans complained about amenities after the Europa League final a couple of years ago as well. Um, and my ticket is for the um, terracing section, the, the lower tier. So I am really excited to experience um, that and just experience the the German fan culture. I was lucky enough to be in Munich um, back in 2008, that would have been, when we played um, Munich in, in the Allianz. Um, unfortunately um (laughs) yeah exactly um but um i was only 16 then so now that uh, a few years older properly get to experience the the german fan culture but interesting you know kind of hearing about the the confidence levels from from frankfurt friends as you said to me as well before we actually did this recording uh no german teams actually qualified from the, the group phase of the conference league as well so maybe we can hold on to that as a bit of confidence from um, an Aberdeen standpoint because um, we really need to clutch at all the straws that we can. Um, 
Frankfurt did sell one of their key players uh, in the summer. Recyclable Cole straws, Mo- of course. Recyclable straws. Yeah. We had to be we had to be conscious of the environment, everybody. Yeah. Um, Cole Mwani went to, to PSG in the summer for, for 95 million. Um, a big loss for Eintracht, but I'm sure you guys have plenty of other threats waiting in the wings to um, cause Aberdeen problems, potentially in the form of summer signings Omar Marmouche and Jess, Jessic Ngakam. Um, I've probably murdered that <laughs> pronunciation. Oh, you're doing um, good. You're doing good. What can Aberdeen expect uh, in terms of threats from the Frankfurt forward line in midfield? Uh, to use the Scottish uh, slang, I kind of see how the Aberdeen defence will be able to deal with Marbus. So um, he is a player that likes to play, uh, doesn't do well with an offside trap, but if he, he likes to run into space and... With Randall Colomwani, you had a target man who could then easily play with his tactical, you know, linking in a whole bunch of different players. Now with Ngon, hey, ninety-five million. You know what? That's a that's a tidy sum to put in your back pocket. You know, covers all the transfers that we've made this season, and still leaves plenty in the bank for basically anything that we could possibly want yeah. you know or we or the club itself could just take a little bit of that and hand it over to the frauen team who's actually uh just had the draw for the women's uefa women's champions league and are looking really primed with having a czech opposition to be able to progress to the group phase here's hoping that Gla- uh the scottish side glasgow city will be joining eintracht in that uh competition but back to the Eintracht uh, men itself um, so Marmos is uh, with his uh, tendency to play offsides he will kind of make the defense uh, he will kind of lure the defense up to try and get him in that trap but uh, with Mario Goza um, a wonderful player that he is despite his age you know he's on mm-hmm. the he's on the other side of 30 but hey that doesn't mean that you don't you're not a wily old fox the man has got uh uh, vision to be able to link players from the wings, uh, put them back through the middle, and pop one over right over the defense, over the top. Th- this team is all primed with Amarmos to be uh, a r- to be able to get everyone involved in the match. So I can attack it from all angles, and I'm very confident in the fact that Ngankam, uh who seems to be who comes in. Uh, during the second half, he mm. can really will run at you with pace, with strength. You know, he he's I mean he's not around a Konamani. I think that it's really hard to uh, create. You know that uh, to replicate that French str- leading striker. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a national team that's just loaded with talent for pair. Uh, it's really hard to replace that sort of a player. But with the tools that Eintracht does have, we're looking at the season as in the fall as an opportunity to be able to fight on all fronts. And there's a, there's a very good amount of depth from the attacking side. Uh, uh, was signed. He got in. He got, oh gosh, I'm blanking on our uh, Algerian attacking uh, midfielder that we signed on the 30th. Oh, it'll come to me. <laughs> um, Not the guy, um, Elias Shakiri from Colm. Oh, Shakiri. Oh, so he, oh, no, no, no. Uh, Shakiri as a holding midfielder actually is probably one of the biggest signings that the Eintracht has. But from the attack side, 
the Eintracht has got many weapons to go uh, from the left to right. You know, uh, Buta is a uh, wingback who plays out on the right. He's a really good uh, Wiley player. Um, one of the players who was left off the roster in Philip uh, Max, it does seem to be that we're looking at him as a, hey, you're stick, strictly sticking to a Bundesliga start to be able to allow for uh, more squad rotation uh, as competition goes on, which the Eintracht does, mm. you know, with the amount of monies we've got from our European adventures the last few seasons, we have a decent sort of depth. And I'm looking forward to how the Eintracht's able to go from, you know, playing Bochum, playing Aberdeen midweek, and then going to play uh, SC Freiburg, a team that finished in sixth place uh, just last season and was quarter finalists, I believe, in the in the Europa League uh, last campaign as well in playing at this that again. It, it, it's very curious to see how Eintracht's gonna be handling the, you know, the two matches per week kind of schedule that we have. And, you know, we also still have the, the cup uh, coming up uh, that will be in October. It's it's an interesting time for Eintracht and it's one that there's a lot of questions, but there's a lot of optimism. Yeah, and I think the point that you make there about how um, kind of Eintracht handled the, the two games uh, in a short space of time, it's the same questions that we've got here in Aberdeen about how we handle it. Both sides this weekend facing um, on-the-road games. Um, Aberdeen with a, with a tricky trip to Tynecastle. You guys pay, face Bokum away in the 5.30 um, kickoff um, UK time. Um, so maybe folk... And I'm sure Barry Robson will have that on the, the TV for the guys coming back up the road so we can get a bit of insight into that game. But, you know, certainly hearing you speak about all these different players, um, it seems this Frankfurt side is stacked with quality. Of course, as you mentioned, Philip Max hasn't been picked for the, the Conference League squad. That's because you're gone with Niels and Konku, who signed from San Etienne, um, and he scored the, the equaliser in the, in the last game against Colin as well. I just want to come back to that midfield because Mario Goat says you're absolutely right, a player despite being the wrong side of 30, um, even though I guess I am the wrong side of 30 as well, if that's the way you want to look at it. Um, it is a, a player who um, obviously scored the World Cup winning goal for Germany back in the day, a player that I've seen live at, at Hamden as well for the national team. And that midfield for Frankfurt just seems stacked with, with quality um, individuals. But... Has there been a struggle this season with the fact there's been, you know, a few new signings into that midfield as well? It's been a little bit of an adjustment. So Shakiri, to me, is the kind of uh, the holding midfielder that everyone dreams of. Uh, if you're, you know, a team who's wanting to build a winner. So considered to be the best player that FC Cone had uh, last campaign and we got him on a free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it was hilarious because uh, for a little backstory, I'm watching the match uh, in the spring in the same bar that the local Celtic fans are in. And they're celebrating. I think they have beaten hard, so you mentioned that you guys are going to be facing. And they're like, oh, it's like, who's this team Cone? I'm like, well, if you like the secretarianism things uh, of, of life, you know, they're right up your guys' alley being Catholic. But this player who just scored his second goal against us, we've actually already got a contract offer on the table to sign him on a free. And they're like, well, that's just mean. And I'm like, 
no, it's what Byron's been doing for decades. Like, uh, like we're just taking advantage of the same thing that everyone else is doing. And now Dortmund has done it as well, though those guys are, well, both of those sides can be really annoying. Uh, I'm not getting into the weeds on that. Uh, but Shakira, I think, is the probably linchpin. Uh, him, Goza, is kind of like the attacker uh and the defender who are able to kind of link really everyone all together and uh from a defensive standpoint you got a back three that shakiri is able to provide uh coverage for he's got an engine that does not quit he's got scoring boots he's got an eye for a pass he's a danger he's a dangerous soul that who would pick apart you know, I mean, if the if the Tunisian uh, national team faced off against Scotland, you guys would look at him as, oh, you guys would immediately look at him and think, oh, he's going to be ripping us to pieces. He's going to, you know, when we have our attack, our attackers go right on in. He's the he's that defensive shield that everyone needs, who also has an eye for the attack, and he's a he's a dangerous individual. And he provides our defense, which is um, so our defensive three that we mainly go from from the uh, from center defense, which is kind of a holdover from the last coach, uh, actually the last two coaches uh, of mine. It's kind of crazy how long we've been running with a defensive uh, defensive three uh, pairing with wingbacks uh, to either side. Um, mm. Two of the two of the center defenders that we've been uh, Pacho, uh, who we got from Antwerp. Uh, from um, yeah, uh, that could win. Who we got from Antwerp, who you know uh, had a pretty good showing uh, for Ecuador over the international break, and we got Tuta, kind of the whole uh, the long-standing player who's been with us. I think he's entering his fourth season with the Eintracht right now, and you got Koch, who is on loan from uh, Leeds, recently relegated from the Premier League. We've we've got these three guys seem to be our defense going forward and Shakira provides the perfect cover so that they can kind of ease their way into things. Now, a 1-1 draw against Cone. Oh my God. The first half, I wanted to throw my beer through the TV, but I didn't want to pay close to a thousand dollars for a new TV. So I kept my beer, you know, in hand just it just suddenly uh, vanished because I was drinking it so fast because I was nervous. I was frustrated with the way that the Eintracht was performing. We had, our lone victory so far was in our local rival, uh, Darmstadt, the newly promoted side. We looked very overconfident in that and allowed Darmstadt to have a few moments to uh, endanger uh, Kevin Trapp in goal, but we still. Uh, held firm in you know the way that we performed and yeah the Eintracht right now we're in that we're just coming up into that part of the season where we're playing multiple games a week Uh, the focus on qualifying for the group stage was something that we were worried about you know how conceding a late goal uh, in Bulgaria was a real true frustration as I was having to watch an illegal stream because there was no uh, legal broadcasting option to take on but with the response that Eintracht did have uh, for the second leg uh, against Sofia, the uh, Bulgarian side, it was one that showed the determination of players who had, are seasoned in terms of playing in Europe for those who are 
uh, from the previous uh, couple of seasons, and a youthful exuberance and a desire to prove your new side that you are a valuable asset, which our new players are proving is just bringing it all together. Takes time, takes patience, and when you are uh, what they call a traditions varin, so a traditional team in Germany, such as Eintrachtes and other teams you could throw out there are like uh, uh, obviously Dortmund, Schalke, uh, Hamburg, and, and the likes. You have demands from a hungry fan base who they, they want all the glory. And yes, we've had some at Frankfurt, but we can be impatient as well. So if Aberdeen is looking to keep things nice and tidy for the first half, you'll get a you'll get some angry Frankfurt fans who are starting to get a little impatient, but this is a team that's still in the process of building. And with a new coach who is in his first major job in a major league, uh, no, no offense to his previous gig in the Luxembourg top flight, uh, mm-hmm. but it, it's still a wait and see approach that the Eintracht fans have. And uh, we demand the best. We demand passion. We demand, you know, you leaving it all on the pitch and, Sometimes, you know, the results just don't happen. Yeah, I think, you know, a few interesting points from that. Um, You spoke about the the Darmstadt game and I think, you know, I think going on that point about offering up opportunities, if opportunities come our way on Thursday night, we've got to be clinical and take them. Also kind of hearing, you know, your points about being a team in transition, I think very much people can probably agree we're still kind of, at that stage this season with players getting to know each other, it was certainly something that Leighton Clarkson picked up in his much press conference against Hearts um, before the weekend saying, you know, we've had players coming in from different countries, settling into a different city, settling into a different style of play. So we're still, as a team, trying to get to get used to each other. Um, and I just hope the way you speak about Frankfurt, um, you're still a couple of games away from everything clicking in place and it doesn't get taken out on us fully. Um, I, I noticed, though, that the, the Frankfurt style of play is very much similar to Aberdeen in the sense of a, a back three, um, which is what we've been going with. Do Frankfurt like to, to press high up the pitch and... Um, is that a certain style that's been adapted this season? So uh, you'll see in, if you watch a lot of the Bundesliga, a lot of the teams, the gegenpressing style that seemed to just catch wind when Dortmund had their two uh, two Bundesliga titles, one of which uh, was complemented by uh, the German Cup, and then they made the uh, uh, 2013 Champions League final under Jurgen Klopp, who has taken the, you know, put that to use in Liverpool and has allowed those guys to be successful. So that style, the gate compression style, the, the high press, the constant like trying to get the quick transition times down, that's something that Eintracht has, and the Bundesliga as a whole, uh, Eintracht uh, implements, but under Dino Topmoda, who, interesting enough, uh, was a player for the Eintracht way back when, uh, when we were an elevator team, as they say in German, I going to butcher uh, that phrase that they have for it, but up a yo-yo club, uh, sort of like uh, Hamilton Academical or Livingston. One of of those, or take any of the Edinburgh clubs, which is probably a real kick in the teeth for uh, traditionalists in Scotland, or maybe you just enjoy uh, taking the piss out of those guys when they have have to go through those sort of stuff. But 
but uh, Dino Toffolo's father was previous coach of the Eintracht. He was a previous player of the Eintracht, so he's familiar with the whole setup. What he likes to do is play out of the back. That's not something that Oliver Glasner was really uh, someone who liked to kind of implement with his defense. So uh, Kevin Trapp, uh, who is more of a traditional uh, net minder, kind of like a more Oliver Kahn type than uh, Manuel Neuer type. But he's had to very much uh, develop himself in terms of his passing capabilities because Dino wants to play out of the back. Okay, you know what? Got to try something different. Can't be the same old, same old every season and expect to have different results. I think a uh, very uh, famous uh, philosopher said it's 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 insanity to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. Um, so I'm trying to more uh, in a heavy pressing right now, trying to uh, take the ball away from its opposition in quick succession. And the statistics really back it up in that uh, in the early parts of the match, uh, Eintracht is the most deadly. We just are not as clinical as we would like to be in terms of mm. putting the uh, ball in the back of the net. But I will say this much. when it come, If Aberdeen comes in with a, oh my gosh, look at this big stadium. Look at these big shiny lights. This is different mm. than the re- the rain and the cold and the wind that we have at home what the heck are we expecting and then you hear that noise that is created at the Vodstad end which i would say you would need to own you would find something louder you might need to go to one of the old firm matches maybe to be able to find something as equally as loud but you know the noise is kept all match long win or lose even when we're getting absolutely trounced, uh, the Vault Stadion is nice and loud, something for everyone to enjoy. Um, it really pushes the team on, and I really believe that with the way that Dino Topmo is currently trying to employ his team, you know, uh, play, playing out of the back, utilizing the wings, uh, utilizing the center channels uh, with Mario Goza, finding that perfect then final pass to unlock a uh, team's defense. You see it being implemented. It's just the, that final little shred uh, of clinical class, which really does mm-hmm. define a team from being a European qualifier to a title challenger. Sure. is not there yet, okay. but doesn't mean that we won't be there. Yeah, no, totally. And I guess it's a very good point about, you know, I don't want us to be kind of caught rabbits in, in the headlights um, when we come out on, on Thursday evening. Um, because there is obviously that fear, as you say, the the intimidating atmosphere that I'm sure is going to be created and, you know, all these, these big names that you're lining up against. But I guess, is there any way or in, in your mind, how could Aberdeen go about beating Frankfurt? Is there any weaknesses in this Frankfurt side? Yes, there is. So, how can you beat Frankfurt? One, shut down the strikers by being. If you got a Billy Bremner type, utilize him. <laughs> utilize him to. I mean, I'm not saying like he needs to be like Vinnie Jones grabbing Paul going <laughs> by the testicles or anything. But if you can start winding up the Eintracht strikers and the Eintracht wingers, oh, suddenly they get pissed off. It's not something that you see in the German game. It will totally throw them off their game. And that means that you can buy yourself some time, get one or two good attacking runs in, 
maybe you get a penalty call that goes in your favor. Remember, VAR is to be utilized. I don't know if it's utilized in the Scottish uh, yeah, League on a match or match. Oh, good, good, good. good. Uh, opportunities are there for Aberdeen to get something. Now, the opportunities are there for the Aberdeen fans to have a whale of a time. I would say you'd have a whale of a time, you know, win, lose, draw, yeah, exactly. because one, the stadium beer is way cheaper than in the UK by a large margin. Two, we don't even get beer, beer in, in Scotland you, in the stadium. Well, guess what? We we got beer available during the, before the match, during the match, after the match, and some folks will just hang out for up to an hour after grabbing an extra beer because you got a cup, uh, you got a cup deposit you can bring back that um, takes down the price of the beer. You can the beer is cheap. Horrible. You just sort of like, wow, I think I'd rather, you know, drink XYZ than that sort of beverage that they're serving at the concession stand. And you know what? You come to the Vault Stadion, you, you take the urban transport to get to the stadium, you walk a couple minutes through the forest, you will smell urine because, hey, some people have been loading up before the match. If you have to go, there's plenty of trees. <laughs> and you know what? And if. Uh, that was the thoughts of Brian from the Hey Eintracht Frankfurt um, podcast um, looking ahead to the game on Thursday. So thank you very much to, to Brian for his time on Friday morning. Um, I'm sure some of you uh, enjoyed that. Look, it's not easy putting yourself in front of a, a camera. Um, so some people do um, speak a bit more than, you know, when they're, when they're nervous. But it was a good insight, Callum. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's given us kind of some thoughts uh, into into the game it, you know he mentions one of their their holding midfielders and i couldn't help when listening to him speak about shakiri it just reminded me of how much i miss ramadani but i thought you were gonna say it reminded you of shakira <laughs> no um but kind of hearing about the midfield i just wonder we spoke about Connor Barron earlier and i, I saw mm -hmm. a few people commenting on it while, whilst that video was playing does Conor Barron come into contention? Because by all accounts, when he came up against the Spain under-21s away on international duty, he more than held his own in that game. I did pose the question, do we need both Clarkson and McGrath? Do you see a possible start for Conor here on Thursday night? Possibly. I think he would maybe bring, despite his slight stature, a bit more steeliness um, to the midfield. You could perhaps see him start instead of McGrath, you would probably think they'll keep in uh, Clarkson just for, uh, we know he is capable of producing a moment of magic, of picking a pass that no one else can, uh, certainly in our team. So I would think if it was going to be in, it was going to be for, for uh, McGrath. And I think we could do with that sort of a little bit of bite. He's not afraid to throw himself in uh, every now and then. And, and for his size, he is, he, is, he is a little bit, he's got a little bit about him. He's a little bit stocky and... Um, and he can play as well. So it's maybe the best of both worlds between sort of him and, I say him and Paul Vara, despite you know, the, the, the size difference. And mm. I suppose we've not seen that from Paul Vara, I guess, as well. So I would not be adverse to uh, seeing Conor Barron playing. Um, and I think he's got to take confidence from his recent performances, even though results haven't been great, would you say? Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, from a personal point of view, he'll be, you know, in encouraged um, by his own, his own displays, as you say. And, I think right now we need players in that team with a bit of confidence because I think there are players certainly lacking that. Um, one thing Brian did point out was the fact that they're kind of a new team, um, kind of new manager as well. 
um, getting to know each other. Three draws on the bounce in the in the Bundesliga. I watched the game against Bochum at the weekend. Uh, I'm not going to lie, they were absolutely frightening on the, the counter-attack. Um, Ebembe looked um, like he will cause Ruby a lot of problems. He scored um, Frankfurt's goal. I mean, it was the world's softest penalty that they conceded, um, as well a, a, a shirt pull from Marmouche. But Bochum caused um, Frankfurt all sorts of problems by hassling and harrying the Frankfurt mm-hmm. players. Again, kind of something Brian... Um, kind of touched on the pact. If you kind of get in their faces, they don't like it. Mario Goetze in particular really didn't like it. So I do look forward to that Shinny versus Goetze battle in midfield. But um, as someone pointed out uh, in reply, Ian Taylor, I think his name is, um, when I said that was, I don't think we've hassled and harried anyone all season. So um, we need to learn to do that first and foremost. Yeah, now would be a good time to start, uh, I suppose. Uh, you know, sort of jump in at the deep end, I, I would guess. Um, you mentioned Goatsa versus Shinny there. That is a potentially terrifying battle. Uh, Mario Goatsa for anyone. I think, you know, as, as, as was sort of referenced to, wrong side of 30, his legs maybe not quite what they once were. But in terms of technical ability, my God, yeah. the boy's got it. He scored the World Cup final, for goodness sake. That's what we're mm-hmm. going up against here. The, the other thing he mentioned as well, and, and I noticed it on Saturday, their willingness to play out from the back. Now, I wonder how much this will p- play into that high press and that transition that Barry likes to come away with. Or do you think we might see a bit of a conservative uh, approach on Thursday, given kind of the fragility around our squad right now? It's tough because... You mentioned that they didn't like it when players got up in their face. Uh, Brian sort of alluded to it as well. Yet, if we do it wrong and, and there's even a slight gap, they are going to be able to play through us easily. Yeah. So it is a tough call between going with a high press and trying to make it difficult for them or being very structured, being very disciplined and essentially hoping that that, that we can nick in at, at some point and break on them. I think it's got to be keeping it tight. As as Brian mentioned, fans can get a little bit frustrated uh, if if things aren't going their way. For example, if twenty minutes uh, uh, go by and they've not they've not scored against us, diddies, then perhaps their crowd will start to turn. Whether they'll be able to use that against them, I, I would doubt. However, we've got to give ourselves our best chance here and, and make things difficult for them because we could get ripped apart. It could be double figures if we are uh, not on our game defensively. Yeah, no, absolutely. We've really got to be on it. We can't have any lapses in concentration. We do have to be clinical um, when any opportunities come up. And also, please give some decent service to Dukan Miofsky as well, um, if that's the two that we go up with uh, up top as well. But, I mean, regardless of what we get served up on the pitch on Thursday night, I'm very much looking forward to the trip. I'm sure it'll be a good couple of days away. Um, If anyone's on the nine o'clock flight to Amsterdam in the morning, I'll see you then. Um, and I'll see the rest of you. Um, I might not be in as good condition as I am now on Friday when we look back at the action um, from Thursday night and take a look ahead to what already feels like a massive league game uh, against Ross County, doesn't it, Callum? It absolutely does. Um, every game feels like a massive game at this stage, Glenn. But I wish you uh, all the best in Germany. I hope you do thoroughly enjoy yourself. Um off the park because we're, I don't think what we're going to get served up on is going to be much use. But we've got to dream, I suppose. And once you're 10 German laggers deep, I'm sure you will. 
Yeah, I will. And um, for those that are going to Frankfurt as well, um, keep an eye out on our socials as well, because we're working on something with Beth Wallace, of course, who did the semi-final playlist for us and trying to get a a gig for her at O'Reilly's Irish Bar for the day of the game as well. And also stay tuned to her socials as well, because she's been working on something special regarding the European song. So if you don't follow her already, get involved with that. I'm sure that'll help build up the excitement to the game on Thursday night but thank you very much to everyone that's tuned into this episode whether it be here live on YouTube if you have done remember to hit that like and subscribe button and if you've been in audio we'll see you next time thanks for tuning in